Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I really appreciate you being here today. Um, In today's show, one thing I want to note is I'm not sure, I don't think my microphone was working properly, so my audio is a little low. I really apologize for that. Um, I'm using too much information, but I will share with you anyway. uh, I'm using a new platform to record the show's to hopefully really improve the audio. So I'm not sure what happened. I apologize for that, but it's still a great episode and definitely worth listening to. And just know I'm doing everything I can to try and improve audio always. And if you want, it might be easier if you want to watch it or even listen to it potentially on YouTube. Um, Audio might be just a little bit better. So um, that's always linked in the show notes if you wanna check out the video version. Hopefully I'll be able to get the video version on Spotify soon. I'm still working on figuring that out. But on to more important things like today's show. In today's show, I chat with Margaret, who's an endometriosis patient who also happened to work in the health technology space. So she and her husband created an app called Lhasa Health, which I will link in the show notes. Um, And she will tell you all about it in today's episode, about how it's being used to help endometriosis patients with AI learning and um, tracking symptoms. So I, I think it's really cool. It just launched a few months ago and I'm very excited about it, but I am going to let you listen in and have Margaret tell you all about it. As always, I'm so grateful that you're here and listening to the show. And I do just want to shout out all the kind people who have sent me emails or DMs just saying really nice things about the show. It really means a lot to me. Um, I do this in my spare time. So I just think it's really important for us to just keep talking about our endo stories and you know you never know where it's going to lead you hopefully on a path like Margaret where she has created this app which will hopefully help a lot of endometriosis patients so in that I'm going to let you listen to the show and also if you'd like to follow on social media also linked in the show notes I am working with a wonderful person named David who's been helping me make clips for social media. This is not my skill set. He's been wonderful in clipping parts of the show that are video and then I'm sharing them anywhere where you get social media. So everywhere except Facebook, which is not somewhere I'm really present. So please check out the links, but we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube shorts, and we're also on Instagram and now threads. Okay. Longest introduction ever on to the show. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. I hope you're feeling okay today. Welcome our guest to today's show. Margaret, welcome to the Cycle Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to chat with you today. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, we're really, I'm really grateful that you're here and I look forward to hearing more from you and all the things that you're doing. Um, But why don't you just start off, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Hi, everyone. I'm Margaret. I live in Boulder, Colorado. Um, my my background's in, in health innovation. So I've worked for USAID. I've started a medical device company. I've worked all over the world in how we can improve healthcare for people. And currently, I'm, I'm building a platform to help patients with chronic pelvic pain and endometriosis. We have a mobile app, and then we also are building some tools for providers to help them better manage patients. 
Oh, I'm really looking forward to diving in more to chat about that. And thank you for all of your work and helping people with medical innovations, because as everyone listens to the show and as a patient myself, we all know that endometriosis space needs that innovation. That is for sure. Well, so why I want to talk a little bit about it and we'll introduce the app and everything, but why did you, why are you passionate about this? Is there a personal health journey that you've had can you tell us a little bit about why you're doing the work that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So uh, during my career, this whole time I was having chronic pelvic pain and I kept going to the doctor and saying, hey, I'm, I'm in pain most days. Like, is this normal? Like, what's going on? And um, I just was told that's normal or that's weird or nothing we can do or it's just in your head. And um you know, it, it, the years went on and I went back and added it up and I went to 25 doctors trying to figure out what's going on. And this is a mix of ER visits, urgent care visits, primary care, OBGYN, GI, allergists, uh, just bouncing all over the place trying to find some idea of what was going on and no one had any idea. And, um, it, you know, I, I started this company actually before I had my diagnosis um, because I was so fed up and I started talking to friends and realizing that my story wasn't unique at all. So many people were in this this space of of having these symptoms, being gaslit by their medical providers and not able to find an answer for what was going on. Um, fortunately, since then, I, I got diagnosed with endometriosis, had my first surgery, and I also got diagnosed with celiac disease. And, and I think I'm very fascinated in just the way I don't know anyone who just has endo. Everyone always has like a couple of chronic conditions and that can really change how the symptoms present and how can we get smarter at understanding how coexisting conditions present in patients. Wow. that There's a lot to unpack there. So you were just working already kind of in the medical innovation space and we're, we're struggling with your health yourself with the pelvic pain, like you were mentioned. Do you remember when that started or was it, you know, in line with when you were working. Yeah. It, so I, I don't remember too much about like my periods, like back in high school, like I remember them being painful, but just thinking that was normal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't really start talking to my provider about it until college. Um, when, you know, my periods were so bad, it was just hard to go to class sometimes. And, 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 you know, that's when the conversation started getting, you know, getting dismissive. Um, yeah. But then I had a decidual cast. Um, are you familiar with that? It's when nope. your entire uh, endometrial lining comes off at once. So instead of like little over time, it comes off in a giant chunk. And it's the most excruciating thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. And I think since after that, all of my like normal endo pain felt minor compared to this experience, which I felt like I was dying and it, you know, totally changed my pain scale. Um, yeah. So I think part of it was, you know, I then started to gaslight myself and be like, yeah, I'm in pain, but it wasn't as bad as that one time. So I guess it's okay. For sure. I mean, that's such a good point that you bring up. I still do it all the time where I'm like, well, it's not as bad as this. And I'm so grateful because I could feel so much worse, but our pain is valid no matter how minor or major it is still valid. But I think right. we, I know we have to find ways of like sometimes justifying it. And I, yeah, I don't know how to get out of that loop, but yeah. I, I definitely do that too. Okay. For so sure. then that happens. And then you start to just, you're having all of these other, what are some of the other symptoms? Cause I know you said you went to 25 doctors. 
I think it's really helpful for people to hear. We talk about symptoms a lot on the show, but there's always times that exactly what you said with having celiac and endo, I do feel like most people that I've met with endo do have something else, but then it makes it so hard to diagnose what's going on because you have a multitude of things going on. So what were some of when you were seeing all these uh, providers, what was going on? Yeah, yeah. So um, the the most consistent symptom was uh, was pelvic pain, and I think it was so confusing for doctors because it would it would jump around. So with celiac, it's upper left pain in your duodenum, um, and that was constant all day, every day, upper left pain. And then with endo, it was lower left and lower right, and that would be aligned with my menstrual cycle. So it'd be like. One day it's upper left and now it's lower right and now it's lower left and now it's traveling. Where is it going? You know, exactly. But you know, you know, I I remember a lot of times just like laying in bed and turning to my husband and being like, when you like think about your abdominal area, like what do you feel? Like do you feel like tightness or pain or pulling or stabbing? And he's like, I don't even notice it. Like I don't feel anything. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably normal. (laughs) But I was just so used to having just floods of sensations and something going on all of the time. Um, and then the endo stuff was was more cyclical. So I would, you know, have pain that would start about a week before my period, week during my period and the week after. So basically I had one week a month where I wasn't in pain. And I call that like my power week and like the week I could actually like feel like myself and feel like a human. Um, but yeah, I that's. This. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 That's helpful though. I mean, that's helpful to have that background information. So how are you doing now? What's going on in life now? How are you feeling? What's, what's your health? Yeah. Yeah. So I celiac, I got diagnosed about 18 months ago. Um, all five of my siblings also got diagnosed at the same time as me, but all been overlooked for our whole lives. Um, so it's been a family experience figuring out the gluten-free diet together. Um, and then I think in some ways that delayed my endo diagnosis because I was I was really pushing for an endo diagnosis at the time. But when I got diagnosed with celiac, doctors were like, oh, well, it's probably just celiac. Like, wait a year, go gluten-free, make sure see if your antibodies go down and see if you feel better. So about a year after that, I was finally like, yeah, I'm still not better. Like, it's improved, but there's still something going on. So I had my first uh, laparoscopic excision surgery in January. And um Nest mostly recovered. I think I had a really, really easy experience with surgery and recovery, and it's been great. I think you have this moment post-surgery when you realize, like, it, it doesn't fix everything, right? <laughs> you know, and and so it can be discouraging when I still have pain days, but it's gone from three weeks a month to like three days a month. So it's a it's a massive improvement. That's incredible. I'm so grateful to hear that. I mean, I'm so grateful to hear. It's like, I mean not grateful that you have three days of pain, but it's so much better than three weeks of pain. So much better. Yeah. And just the, yeah, the realization of I'm going to have this surgery. I mean, again, this is what I always thought, like I'm going to have this surgery and everything's going to be so much better. It's hard to remember like in the beginning, or at least for me, it wasn't, and I didn't know this is chronic, unfortunately. So we have to manage it on top of the other things that we do. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. Part, part of the challenging part of having something that's chronic. I mean, same with celiac, right? That's also, you can't cure yourself from celiac, right? It's it's a lifelong no gluten for you, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. 
lifelong no gluten, but yeah. it is a little bit more linear of a condition. I'd say because, right. you know, it's like, don't eat gluten, your antibody levels go down, you're fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, with endo, it's so much more complex and personalized, right? You really have to figure out what medications work for you. Like what, mm-hmm. you like your heat and pad, you like your TENS unit, like you like your CBD. Uh, it's much more complicated to figure out management strategy so complicated. I feel like it's a, it's literally like a chess game. Like, okay, I'm going to move this piece. Does it help? Okay. It does. Then I add this other piece of some sort of treatment, but then I felt worse. So like, is it those two combined? It's a lot of, it's a lot of strategy. Exactly what you're saying. Like, I I feel like I've used strategies and then sometimes they don't work. And I'm like, but they worked last month. Why don't they work (laughs) this month? You know, that's it. That's the challenging part about endo. So, okay. Tell us about this this app that you have developed and what it does and why you developed it. Just maybe tell us, like, start from the top. Yeah. Okay. So when I was having all these health issues, I started interviewing a, a couple, at least 100, maybe 200 women who had endometriosis and other chronic health conditions and, and hearing their stories and kind of seeing what the gaps were in the space. Um, and then my my husband is my co-founder with this company. He does AI and machine learning for predictive health analytics. And so we, wow. you know, dream team, uh, we both oh my quit, gosh. Our, quit our jobs and started building um, and decided, you know, there needs to be tools in this space to help patients. And um, there's so many opportunities to use AI and machine learning to improve the patient in the diagnostic experience. Um, so we're still super early. Like we have a huge vision of what we want to do, <laughs> but um, currently we have our mobile app that's live for patients, and and that's really looking at three things. So one is how patients learn about their condition. Um, we compile all of the peer-reviewed literature about endometriosis into a twelve-week program for patients to learn to go through when they're trying to figure out if they have endo or when they're first diagnosed. Um, we've worked with uh, Heather Guidon and Sally Sorrell and all the endo superstars to help put together this this material and and put it at an eighth-grade reading level so that it's approachable and accessible. Um, because you know, I worked in the healthcare space. So when I was figuring out if I had endo, I read all these peer reviewed papers, but I think most people don't want to be reading peer reviewed papers (laughs) and oftentimes they're behind paywalls. And so, you know, how can we give people the information to make informed decisions about their health? So, um, on the learning piece, it's not a program where we're telling you what to do. We're giving you the information. We're saying the research. We're saying what's helped other people and giving you the data to make that plan for yourself about, you know, what do you want to have surgery or do you want to try a more holistic approach? Do you want to go on hormonal medications or not? And, and both choices are equally valid. We just want to make sure patients have that information. Right. Because as of right now, it's very hard to get the right information, especially when you start. I feel like I've learned a lot along the way, but to have something that would at least break down, these are some of the options that you could try would make things just a lot easier. Yeah. And because I would interview people who had been diagnosed with endo for over a year and had never even heard of pelvic floor therapy and never had had yeah. a doctor suggest that. And and that's just wild to me, you know, things that can really change lives and help people. And, and they're not even being told that this is an option for them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's the first piece is the learning. The second piece is the tracking piece. Um, this was more of a a personal vendetta of me trying to use all these apps to track my symptoms and being frustrated by one, so many of these companies were 
made by men and we're just selling women's data to Facebook. And yeah. I was like, this is unethical. Mm -hmm. And two, you know, something that was customized enough that I could actually track all the complex symptoms that I was having because it wasn't just when I was bleeding. Like there was so much more to that. And I wanted to be able to, um, I want to be able to track that. And then I also had this like vision of like the graph I wanted to see, which was my symptoms tracked over my menstrual cycle to see which symptoms were correlated with your menstrual cycle and which weren't correlated with your menstrual cycle. Genius. I was like, I, I need that. <laughs> yeah, because people may have different symptoms when you're not on your period. Exactly what you said, but like ovulation, I've heard different symptoms. And then it's there is a cyclical effect of symptoms. Yeah. And it can give a lot of insights. So, so for me, exam for example, my my upper left pelvic pain was um, was celiac and not correlated at all with my menstrual cycle, versus my other symptoms were. And so that can help you figure out what is maybe the cause and, and what are the multiple causes of of the pain sources. Um, so our app's fully HIPAA compliant, encrypted, at rest, in transit, uh, super secure, super safe. We never sell anybody's data. Um, and then the last piece is the community. So um, kind of built off this idea of everyone I knew with endo kind of had their like, they got like a, their endo mom, like their friend or somebody they met who had endo who was like five years down the journey from them. And, yes. and I thought about like, well, someone newly diagnosed, like they might not have that person they can go to for yeah. questions and for support. And so um, there's a way you can create a profile and connect with other users and build out your little support system. And then as you post daily updates about how you're doing each day, your, your little support group is notified and can send you a message or send you a, a meme or send you some tips and advice. Oh my gosh. I love that. I need to get download this app and start using it immediately. Okay. So People are probably like, well, what is that? Tell us, how can we find it? What's, where's the website? Tell us all about that. Yeah, the company's called Lassa Health, L-A-S-A. -A. It's on Android and iOS. Right now it's just available in the U.S., but um, if you're from outside the U.S. and interested, you can send us a note and we'll let you know when we've expanded it beyond the U.S. Um, yeah, you can download it in either of the app stores. Um, we launched a couple months ago, so we're still super new. And really we ask people you know, when they download the platform to be part of building this with us, right? This is really just the V1 and we're looking to make it a, an amazing resource to help patients manage their condition. Um, and so uh, when you download the app, it asks you to take a monthly survey to give feedback. And so if you could please take the monthly survey and give feedback, that would be amazing. Um, that helps us with two things. One is helps us understand like how we can make that better, what we can change, what we can improve, but also helps us collect the data that we need to get this type of comprehensive endometriosis care and um, management support covered by healthcare providers and insurance companies, which is part of that bigger vision is that we need to have all of the stakeholders involved in raising the standard of how endometriosis patients are cared for. So we're trying to demonstrate here's the value that providing this resource offers. And here's why every single OBGYN clinic and every single employer and every single insurance company should be providing this level of care. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Incredible. So yeah, I want to hear more about the bigger vision. And then, you know, if people have concerns about data or things like, I know that that's common. And I know you said it's HIPAA compliant, but tell us about the bigger visions. I would love to hear about that. And then we'll talk maybe just a little bit more tactical about um, 
any concerns that people may have, and I'd love to hear what you've learned so far. I know it's early days, but I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so so bigger vision is we're looking at how we can use AI and machine learning to improve the diagnostic and management process of chronic conditions that impact women. So you look at diabetes and heart disease and these spaces that are so funded and have billions of dollars in research funding every year mm -hmm. and the amazing innovations that they're doing. We're trying to build the same thing for women's health conditions and and say, you know, there's just as many people being impacted just because they're women doesn't mean we shouldn't build products and innovate for them. Um, and so, you know, we're working with a lot of healthcare providers and employers and insurance companies to help them really understand the the what they're wasting. So endometriosis costs about $100 billion annually in the US, but no one's really talking about it right now. And so by helping them look at the data and understand their data and understand when somebody like me goes to 25 doctors to try to get diagnosed, that's a huge waste on the healthcare system. That's money out of your pocket as an insurance yeah. company. Yes. Um, and by helping them understand that bigger picture, we're able to get more funding, more support to build better products, better innovations, and hopefully cures for endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're spending, they're spending more money for us to see the 25 doctors or, or whatever than actually providing support for the disease. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. So I love that bigger vision and it'll be great to have the data. So we're talking about data a little bit, and I know people get very nervous about data, and especially like personal medical data. Tell us a little bit about like how are people protected if they're nervous about putting information in here, um, how the data maybe is aggregated. So it's if it is communicated, it's all obviously confidential and encrypted and all of those fancier things that I probably <laughs> don't understand as much as you. But I feel like people will appreciate knowing that so they can feel secure using the app. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So um, the app is is HIPAA compliant. And basically what that means is we have uh, agreements signed with our the cloud provider, the with Apple, with the people who host the platform. And all of us are using HIPAA compliant software and agreeing not to sell data. So kind of the whole tech stack from us to all of our cloud partners is, is compliant and secure and safe. Um, so the data is encrypted at rest and in transit. And so that means that like when it's on your phone, it's encrypted. When it's, you know, pinging the server, it's encrypted so that there's, uh, so that it's safe at all those moments in case of hackers or things like that. Um, and then I think from a, from a user standpoint, so when you download the app, you, you can, you list a name, right? Like what, what you want the app to call you, but it doesn't have to be your real name. It, you don't have to give us your last name. Like you can stay anonymous and private. Um, and even like, you know, on our side of things, like I can't see who you are. Like I see this like 20 digit, like character number of you're just the, this user. Um, and because we have all these layers of encryption that it, it keeps it super secure. And then if you ever change your mind and want to delete your data, you can just delete your data and delete it completely as if you've never had an account on our platform at all. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So just for people to, you know, if you're like encryption, what is all that stuff? <laughs> Basically like, it would never say Melissa Boudreaux logged that she had, you know, nausea on this day, da, 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 da. It's just a, a number of person that can be aggregated together, probably to create some amazing reports on the back end to look at some of the trends and things like that with, with the disease to help with the bigger vision that you're talking about. Yep. Yep, exactly. So any 
initial insights or anything so far? I know it's still, again, early days for you, but any, anything that you've learned in the past couple months? I mean, so much like the community has such great ideas of, of resources and things we can do. And, and I love that we've kind of built this space of, um, you know, where people can, can have ideas and we'll say, yeah, we can build that and launch that next month. Like, let's do it. Let's, (laughs) let's work on it together. Um, so we're starting to formalize a few things. So we're putting together this, uh, Lassa Health Ambassador Program, which basically is our, our like super users who get invited to focus groups where they can help us help give feedback about new ideas and, and test early release versions of new products. Um, one of the big things I've seen as, in the user's data is just the huge mental health problem. Um, and that's been something that's been like keeping me up at night is figuring out like everyone is really depressed and anxious and it, it makes sense. And I've definitely experienced that too. And we've all been through a basically PTSD with medical gaslighting and, and that has really impacted people. But yet even when people try to seek care from therapists, those therapists are usually not informed in endometriosis and don't understand. Um, and so about a month ago, we brought on a, a therapist who has endometriosis onto our team, and she's been helping us build out some new mental health resources um, that will be added to the app this summer. And then we're also starting uh, some uh, support groups that she'll lead. So that we, I think we'll announce that probably like on Monday, but uh, so by the time this podcast ends, that will yes. be live. This so, podcast, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're recording just so everybody knows on May 5th, we're, this will probably not be going live till June or July. So it will be, it will be like, wow, that's Margaret, that's incredible. That's such an impact to see that and, and to immediately add these support tools for people. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's so huge and, and the, the yeah. pain brain connection is, is really studied, but, but yet I find that, you know, like I was at the endometriosis summit in March and it was amazing. Love it. But they didn't talk about the mental health piece, like hardly at all. And yeah. it is really a big concern for a lot of patients who are, are struggling with relationships and fertility and these really huge things that are going on in their lives. And so we really need to have, um, comprehensive approaches and and treat the full person. So when we saw that we didn't really have the resources we needed to support patients in that way, we were like, okay, we've got to, got to build some new tools. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. And, um, going back to the mental health thing, you know, I've struggled with anxiety on and off, um, for most of my life. And I really haven't been open to talking about it. And I was talking to an endo friend about it and they were like, you just need to be more open and talking about it might help. And I was like, I just never thought it was related. I, I thought it was separate, but I agree with you. Like a lot of, for me, like my gut has been severely impacted from endometriosis and the gut brain connection with anxiety and just like nausea and all of that. It's so related. And even just to have a resource of someone saying, no, this is related would almost give me relief to, to just hear that instead, instead of thinking like, these are separate things. And so I, I think that's such a great resource. And the app is free for users to use or yes, is there cost free. associated? Okay. No, it's free. Um, so as we add more features, like uh, like the the groups that the therapist is going to lead, there'll be a, a fee for that. But the the base app, the tracking, the learning, that's, that's all free. Wow. Wow. That's... I can't thank you enough. I can't wait. I mean, I should have downloaded it. Sorry, everyone, before the podcast. I have your, I've looked at your website. I've pulled it all up, but I just, 
I was like, I want to wait until we chat before I download it. So I'm very excited to check it out. What other, is there anything else you want to add or um, just say to the endo community? Oh man. Uh, I I mean, I, I feel so honored to have so many women tell me their stories and people, not, not just women with endo, but I feel like I'm in this position where, you know, I'm constantly having people reach out and telling me these heartbreaking stories. And, you know, I have endometriosis. And so like, I feel like I should be able to relate, but like really everyone's experience is so unique and there's no need to compare your experience to other people's that, you know, it's easy to say, well, mine's not as bad as hers. And like, oh, well, I don't have that symptom, or at least I don't have endometriomas, or at least I didn't have infertility. But whatever you're experiencing is is valid and matters and and deserves to be heard and seen by peers, by family members, by medical professionals. And um, and it's so sad that we've been put through this experience that we doubt ourselves and we question ourselves. But if I could say anything, it's just to, to validate each person's unique experience that, that it matters and you deserve support and you don't need to compare yourself to other people with endometriosis at all. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree with that. And, you know, when we were talking about mental health earlier, one person I wanted to mention too is Corinne Fox um, talks openly about her endometriosis and also anxiety. And so I think she's just, if anyone's listening, you know, she's works with some different organizations and I feel like she's a good person to just follow. I don't think she talks about it a lot on her social channels, but she does openly mention that her mental health has been severely impacted by she, well, she's had bad anxiety, but then she's also had endometriosis. And so she's really trying to bring awareness around that. So just, I, I wanted to mention that to circle back to that, but yeah, I, I just, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing and offering this to patients and just, you know, people's health in, ge in general, but specifically a lot of women's health has just, I, I talked to a lot of people that may not have endometriosis, but are affected with something else like Lyme disease or MS or something that they're affected, but they're female. And it's just, they struggle or they identify as female, they struggled very similarly as people with endometriosis because the gaslighting and the you're being emotional or it's all in your head. And just in general, that's some, that's just some taboos that we need to break. And I feel like it's getting better and we're getting closer to doing that. But tools like what you're providing where data can actually show people, I think is extremely helpful. Definitely. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll put in one more plug, but um, we're, we're building a data set of, of women's health conditions and, you know, it isn't just endometriosis. There's you know, hundreds of conditions. Actually, there's over 700 conditions where women are diagnosed an average of four years later than men. Um, and a lot of this is, yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> uh, a lot of this is because of the lack of data. And, and so um, we're, we're basically we're building machine learning models to help physicians better diagnose these conditions that are overlooked by the medical system. And the more patients we have take our little survey, the bigger our data set is, and the more we can work with researchers and hospitals to improve diagnostics. So it's a fully anonymous survey. We don't ask your name. We don't ask your email address. We don't, it's not for marketing purposes. It's really about building this giant data set so we can raise the standard of diagnostics and, and catch these conditions that have huge delays in diagnostics. So you can take that survey on our website. 
Okay, great. And your website is just remind us what it is. So it's people will also link it in the show notes. But yes. Yeah, it's lasahealth.com. L-A-S-A health.com. L-A-S-A health.com. Um, I'm on it right now. And I, yeah, I, I am just very grateful we got to have this this conversation and for your hard work on this. Seriously, I'm like overwhelmed with how excited I am about oh. About this and just the data, and I can feel your passion for it. And I just, I, I know it's going to make a difference. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work. You know, it's a lot of yes. <laughs> it's a lot of lot of sleepless nights. And um, you know, my husband and I just like hunkered down, living at my parents' house, trying to like save money so we can build out these platforms. But like, you know, I, I think that's that's what you need. Like this to really make change. Like it takes sacrifice and it takes work and it takes a community of people coming together and saying like, this is not okay. Like I can't live unless we we change this. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this system better. You're absolutely incredible. Yeah, I I guess before we wrap up, I do have one more question. What has been the most challenging part about all of this, putting this together? Interesting. The most challenging part. Um, I, I mean, the most challenging part is honestly the the financing side of, yeah. um, you know, if somebody was doing this in the diabetes space, they would have like a hundred million dollars of investment to work with and like all these yeah. grant fundings and everything. But because this condition is stigmatized there and because most investors are men and it, it becomes a really barrier to having the resources that we need to to build what we need to do. And so, yeah. you know, we definitely explored like, you know, how can we, how can we support this and how can we um, make, keep our resources free for patients while being able to scale up our team and, and hire the people. So um, we're always on the lookout for, for people who support our mission and want to support our business. And we're also exploring some ways to allow users to kind of come on and support our platform as well with a small contribution. Um, uh, so if there's, if you want to help out, if you like our mission and, and want to see how you can help, just just reach out and we're happy to connect you to with different resources and ways to get involved in supporting our business. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask that because I, I've never built something like this, but I work in marketing. I've worked with a lot of app builds and this is way, way more in depth than what I've had to do. And I just know the time and the effort and the expense for doing this. So you are doing a an amazing thing for the community and I will definitely be cheering you on and supporting you guys in any way that I can. Um, and just want to say thanks so much for chatting with us today and, you know, taking time to do this for others. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for all the work you do with your podcast. I think it's so important to you know tell the stories of patients and that's it's so validating, you know, when you first get diagnosed and you've never met anyone with endo to have a podcast you can go to and, and hear the stories and, and hear what's helped other people um, and realize you're not alone. So love what you're doing. Thank you for your support you. in the community. Oh my gosh, of course. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, you know, one of the reasons when you mentioned you talked to 200 people, that's making me think about when I originally started the show four years ago, I was like, I just wish I knew this, or I wish I knew that because like you said, it endo affects everybody so differently. And with the variety of stories, when you can go listen to them, you may identify or relate to something with one person's story that maybe exactly like how you mentioned, I mean, I have this symptom, but I have this and oh my gosh, it is 
all related, right? So I never wanted to be like a technical medical show. I wanted a place where people could come tell their story to help other people, but also it's kind of healing for people to tell their story, I think. But then other people can listen and say, oh my gosh, I never knew that this shoulder pain could be thoracic endometriosis. You know, I've learned thing on, things on the podcast that I had no idea was related. So I'm sure you found that correlation when you were interviewing patients too. So thank you for those kind words and, and coming on and chatting with us. I have a feeling you'll be back. We're going to talk about something in the future. I have a feeling. So thank you so much again for being here. Well, I'd love to be back, but thank you so much. And I'll keep listening to your podcast. <laughs> Take thank care. You. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Cycle Podcast. Don't forget to rate us in Google or Spotify. If you would like to give us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate that. And also just really wanted to say thank you again for your time and listening to the endo stories to help build awareness, get more recognition for this disease. And I know all of the patients that have shared their story really appreciate you being here. With that being said, I always have to have my medical disclaimer. This podcast is not intended for the purpose of providing medical advice. All information, content, and material of this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve or substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Thank you so much for understanding this medical disclaimer, and I'm wishing you a pain-free day. Take care.